We love you, Lord. You're good in this place. Come on, one big applause. We thank you, Lord. The scripture says, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. So you're actually fulfilling scripture when you can shout the name of Jesus together, when you can echo his praise. It's not just a, oh, that's an Assembly of God church thing. No, that's a Bible thing. That's a God made us, uh, just like when um, uh, my wife is an a infamous overreactor in the kitchen. When, when you hear somebody chopping something and you hear a, ah, you know what I mean? I was like, well, I think the worst, like you just chopped your finger off, you know <laughs> I mean? She's like, oh, uh, tomato squirted onto the floor. I'm like, oh. Okay, the same scream for chopping the finger off and a tomato hitting the floor should not be the same. How many agree? Okay, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm always nervous from the other room or whatever. But God made us that way with like when we can connect to, to his goodness at times, it should be a little bit out of, a little out of control, like, whoa, yes, you know. And uh, it's not all the time about our emotions, but God has made us emotional, and he wants the, our emotions too, right? You know, he wants, he wants our ups, and he'll be there when, we are, when we're really down. And uh, so he's good to us. Lord, thank you that you've opened our eyes to the truth. Thank you, God, that you know every part of us. You know how uh, the struggles around the room uh, you'd never know, looking at some of these folks, the, the secret things they're battling in their car when they're driving. God, the enemy is always trying to steal the wonder of how you created us, the, the incredible journey that we're on. We only see the, the path. We see the muck, the mire. We see the disappointments. We, we see things that we feel like we've lost or ways that we've blown it. But thank you, God, that you are drawing us to you and that 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 unique wonder, God, that you have a plan for our lives. And we just want to yield again to it, yield again to your goodness and your way and your will. Forgive us, God, when we're trying to figure it all out, when we're trying to tell you how, how and what you should do for us. And uh, we thank you in Jesus name and all the church said. Amen. Our God's alive and real. Will you take a moment? I'm Lance, pastor here at Falls, but would you say hi to some friends that are around you? Introduce yourself. Smile at somebody. Shake a hand. Hug somebody. I dare you to Josh. I dare you to hug Josh. I dare you to hug that guy right there. I dare somebody to hug that guy. I really wanted to wear this hat during church, but I couldn't handle being judged by y'all. I'm so insecure. So I'll just wear it for a little bit here. Hey, um, thank you for uh, being a part of the house church last week. Um, and uh, I'll just spontaneously put the mic on a few of you to tell us how things went at your house worship last week, Carl. Uh, we had a nice time. It was a small group at our place, but it was uh, a nice intimate group. So we shared kind of what the Lord has done in our lives specifically, how he's uh, maybe put some specific events in our lives that have been specific towards us. Um, and then we hung out for quite a while. Randy helped me chick cows. You got some chores out of the work, out of the out of Randy months. All right. I'm going to put Chad on the spot here. 
where were you at? Uh, we were at Jeff and Wendy's house, and so we had a big circle right out in the front yard. Lots of kids, so it was a good time, lots of energy. Uh, so that was the week right after the tornado storms. And so one thing that we like doing in our house is highs, lows. Some people calls it, call it roses and thorns. And so we talked about highs and lows and just try to get to know each other. So some people didn't know each other in the group. There were people that were not part of the church that came. And so it was just a really cool setting. And then after that, we prayed. We read scripture about uh, Acts 2, about the early church, how that was really common in that time of just getting together in houses, sharing meals, things like that. And so it was a great time. And then we had tacos. Good. Uh, what happened to the Vikings last week? Did that turn out? I'm trying to remember. I th- did we win? Seriously. No, we didn't win. See, the Lord just blocked all that pain from me. I'm so healed, I can't even remember. Eric, tell us what you were doing. Uh, we were at uh, Dan and Deb's house, and uh, I think it was a little unfair. I had my wife, Asher, Dan, Steve, all musicians, so we had a great time. Yeah, we had a great time, a little worship. And then Megan brought, yeah, Megan brought cheesy potatoes. were phenomenal. So, uh, yeah. Uh, on a serious note, though, we did um, talk about same as Acts 2, breaking bread together as early church. And then we went into 2 Corinthians. We we're talking about um, the body of Christ. Not everybody is the head. Not everybody is the foot. Not everybody. Just coming together where you are in your relationship and your walk with God, your struggles, your things that's going on in your life. And we spent some time praying about stuff like that. So it's good. Well, Joan and I uh, hosted at our house, too, uh, and uh, I just, here, I guess this will tell you how nice of a time, how nice it was in, when I was cleaning up after people were gone. Um, No, you did help, Carmen. (laughs) You were not down in the basement, though, Carmen. You weren't down in the basement. You and Joan were doing a lot of cleanup upstairs. <laughs> okay, that wasn't the point. <laughs> the point was this phrase that I said to Joan. I'm going to go clean up the basement from the party. She goes, party? I thought it was house church. I go, well, that's just how, ni- how much I enjoyed it. In my mind, it was like a, par- a party gathering of friends, and uh, a dozen people didn't leave until after I turned off the first football game about 3.30 and said, thanks for coming. <laughs> My big screen. Then they go, oh, I guess that's the cue. I guess we should go there. <laughs> and, uh, but um, I was really not, I didn't want them to leave until Carmen was done with dishes either, though. So I, it was, I was saying, stay, watch the game, Grant. Sit, stay, let your mom talk with Joan. They're having such a nice time up there connecting, Bustin said, so. No, it was, a, it was great. So it, in my mind, if church uh, can feel like a party among friends, uh, I think, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a step of gathering some. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think you can meet in a home and have church with the, with the mindset of what a corporate gathering is like. You know what I mean? Because I do think there's corporate dynamics that, that God does uh, among uh, people when, when all these different gifts and things are brought together. And, and then there's things that can happen in, in the house that probably won't happen here either. So uh, I always 
when I think about the future of our church, I think about, because a friend of mine was challenging me, have you ever thought, Lance, about Falls Church, you know, being in homes? And, and I said, yes. And he said, have you ever thought about not having a gathering? And I said, no. <laughs> and I said, but uh, it, it's kind of like one of those things when you say, do you want uh, potatoes? or fruit and vegetables for a side, okay? <laughs> Guess what? It's an and situation. You can have both. You can have your home and people's homes be a dynamic uh, arm of the church, and you can gather together corporately as well in, in, in one gathering. So I don't think you have to choose one of the others, what I'm saying. I think there can be a unique marriage of the two, and if it didn't work out for you last weekend, I I think after the new year we should get another one on the schedule in January and uh, call it Super Sunday or something. I don't know, um, but uh, I know that it was great because now my I can deduct my home as part of a tax for tax purposes since it's been used as a corporate worship gathering place. Um, so it's all tax deductible now. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I have a friend who's not a Christian who always tells me, I'm starting a tax-free church. And I'm like, what's that? He's like, I live in New York City. It's so expensive here. And if I just started a church and called it the tax-free church, then all the people that came, we'd all just use it to get to have tax write-offs. So, um, but uh, that's a little diabolical. <laughs> and he likes, to, he likes to try to push my little buttons, but it doesn't work. So anyway, all right. Well, today, uh, normally maybe in this time, we come back with a band and we receive offering. We're going to receive offering at the end uh, of the service time. Phil Reed is here, missionary guest. See, we've been friends for a few years, but our family's been connected for 20 years. And so uh, his father-in-law pastored uh, Church of the Bible, and that's the church where I came to the Lord later. Uh, matter of fact, his dad led them on the sale of that old building and on the building of the new one and getting them debt-free. And uh, it was a real cool part that his dad did, uh, uh, father-in-law. And they renamed the church from Church of the Bible to Calvary Assembly out on 57th under the, under the water tower there, east of Walgreens on 57th there. And uh, so when I was home, all my years of Bible school and 17 years of youth ministry, when I was back home, he would always have me preach. And, and uh, uh, I remember one Sunday morning coming home, and uh, he said, oh, Lance, so great to see you. I said, yeah, good to see you. He goes, do you want to lead worship this morning? <laughs> and I said, well, sure, I'll, you know. He goes, do you want to preach this morning? And I'm like, Okay, I'm preaching this morning. So <laughs> I, after that, I always came prepared, and every time he'd hear us in town, it wouldn't matter if it was Sunday morning. Lance, you're here. Are you preaching? Yeah, I'll preach. Okay, come on up. So, And uh, I did that for probably 20 years uh, of time with him. So, And then uh, we've been friends, and he's God's called him uh, into the mission field, and he set up a little uh, spot for some coffee. You'll tell us about that a little bit. Um, and... But today's offering then will go to the work in the Ukraine. So will you uh, stand with me? We're going to continue in worship. I want to 
I think I, I didn't really know this song till I heard the band playing it this morning. So uh, don't worry about it if you really know the words uh, here. Just kind of build a little altar there where you're at. Prepare your heart for h- how the Word of God uh, can land. Uh, the, the Bible does declare the Word of God never returns void, but it accomplishes what it set out to do. So, Father, would you take our dry and crusty lives and do what Hosea said, break it up, till it up, soften it so that seeds of righteousness can sprout in us and grow and and uh, bring you more and more glory, more fruit in the great harvest of our lifetime in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. All to you, Lord. All to you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Life, breath, and purpose and possibility. Thank you, Lord, for light and goodness in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Will you smile at somebody while you're having a seat? And will you welcome welcome with a big smile, Phil Reed? Phil, come tell us about your you got some prayer cards out there too? Good morning, everybody. It's a privilege for me to be here today, and uh, thanks, Pastor Lance, for the opportunity to be here, and your flexibility and willingness to change to an earlier date. We actually had scheduled for November, but I had a cancellation today, and and the odds are that we're not going to actually be able to be here in November anyway, because we're hoping to go back to Ukraine soon, so... That's, that's good, and, and I have to tell my brother back there that you're the first person in the whole year of traveling that's tried to tell me something in Ukrainian by looking it up on how to say it. That's really awesome, so I'm really impressed. Um, so every once in a while, like, and I mean every once in a while, like maybe two times, I, two or three times I've had people who knew a little bit of Russian, which actually shocked me, so, um, but it is so good to be here. My, my, uh, my in-laws actually moved to Sioux Falls 30 years ago in November. And so I got to know John and Gloria and Jonathan and uh, Robin and Dennis and stuff. So uh, just it goes back a long ways. And uh, we're just, Sioux Falls has become like home to us, even though my in-laws are now living in Iowa City. Um, they're actually doing well um, for their age, I guess you could say. They're, they're, they're definitely showing the fact that they're almost, you know, they're 87 years old, but they're still Still living in their own house. Um, I don't know if that'll ever change because my father-in-law doesn't like change. So, so we'll see. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, really good to be back in Sioux Falls. Always is. And uh, um, just my wife and I. My wife is actually at girls' campout in Minnesota this weekend, and uh, up in central part of Minnesota. And that's something that she loves to do. Always has loved that. And so when she talked to the the girls' coordinator in Minnesota. Is, would it be okay if I came to camp out? The lady's like, yes, absolutely. And, and so she went, and I remember when we went to one church, she asked the, the missionette leader at that time, she said, I'd really like to go to camp out. And the lady looked at her and almost fainted. She's like, you what? Nobody ever wants to go to camp out. My, but my wife grew up doing that, so that, that's what she likes to do. And I'm really thrilled for her and that she got to have that opportunity. Um, we have two daughters. I'll just tell you real quickly. Um, Go to the two slides down. One more. There you go. Um, Laura and Hope. Laura's on the left. I mean, yeah. No. Yeah, your left, my right, and Hope's on the, the right. And Hope graduated from high school June 1st and 
We had her party on June 2nd. She moved out June 3rd. So we are now empty nesters. And, and it was actually really a good thing because then my wife traveled with me, and we were only home less than, less than 14 days all summer. So it would have not made sense for her to stay with us. She's actually living with her. Both of our girls are adopted. She lived with her birth mother. Um, and her birth mom's family, they're all believers. Uh, her birth grandpa is actually a sense of God pastor in Iowa. So um, it's, it's a very good situation. We really feel like um, she's got a good support system there. Laura is our 25-year-old living in Minneapolis, uh, went to Bible school for five years, and walked away from God. So you can pray for Laura that she would be able to recognize that God truly does exist and love her. Um, next slide, I bring you greetings from my wife and your brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, the church in Ukraine is really interested in the church in America, and I don't always like that they're interested because sometimes I think that they want to copy what we do. And so a lot of times they'll ask, what does the church in America do about X? And I'll, I'll answer them, but I will tell them, that doesn't mean you have to do it that way. Because there are things that culturally work for us that wouldn't work for them and vice versa. And so I don't want them to think that we have all the answers. I, there's actually this, this impression in Ukraine that if you're American, you have a better connection to God. And I don't, I don't buy that. So I actually have friends who would say, pray for me. I'll say, okay, I'll pray for you if you pray for me. Because that's really how it needs to work. We need to pray for each other. It's, it's doing things together. Um, we're grateful. Next slide. We're grateful for your partnership, um, prayer, and finances. Uh, you guys did not commit to any particular number, but over the 20, 2014 to 2018, you actually gave the equivalent of $20 a month. And so I have here a present for you. I'm not going to open it, but you can open it. It's a piece of hand-painted pottery from our part of Ukraine. And just as a way of saying thank you for your financial partnership with us, we really appreciate that. And uh, I guess it'll have to go in your office. Well, you have, you have a place at home. You have a place at home you can put it, I'm sure, in that tax-deductible place where you live, you know. So a uh, little bit real briefly about my wife and I. My wife, obviously, next slide. My wife was an Assemblies of God pastor's kid, obviously. She's the baby, she was the baby of the family. Um, it wasn't until she was in her 30s that her dad finally quit calling her the baby, which I was really glad for that. Um, I remember one time my mother-in-law, I heard about this later, because my mother-in-law went to have Denise's picture taken when she was in high school, and she called the photographer and said, I, I want my pictures of my baby. So Denise, bring, Denise goes with her mom to go get pictures taken, and here she is, not a baby, but a high school student. And this photographer's like, I was expecting a baby. So you, you just never know. But both Denise and I gave our lives to Christ at an early age. I'm from northeast Minnesota, and uh, I was a computer programmer for 20 years. I did not plan on being in, in the ministry at all. Denise went to North Central in Minneapolis and did not want to marry a pastor because her dad was one. So she really didn't look at students at North Central. But then I moved to her hometown in Muscatine, Iowa. And... <coughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Thanks a lot, man. Um, my my mother-in-law told me about Denise, and I'm like, oh, that's nice. And so she goes, don't worry, Denise, he's not your type. And then we met and found out we actually were each other's type. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a good thing. We actually celebrated 31 years of marriage just a month ago. And so I know that, that I look like I'm this age, but my wife looks like she's in her mid-30s. People tell her that all the time. I'm like, what do they think? I married somebody 20 years younger than me? I don't know what it is. But, uh, but we never planned on being in the ministry at all. And then I went to Ukraine on a short-term trip in 2006, and that changed everything. And it wasn't during the trip. It was afterwards. And, and we just uh, are so grateful for the opportunity to be uh, serving God in this way. We really, really are. 
Uh, the Assembly of God was started just over 100 years ago, next slide, with the vision to do the greatest work of evangelism the world had ever known. This isn't something that they said in 1914 and we forgot about. This is something that we still talk about regularly when we get together with our colleagues and, and things like that. The mission of Assemblies of God World Missions has four parts. Next slide. It is to reach the lost, train believers, plant churches, and serve the poor and suffering. And that doesn't mean that this is what we do all four of these things every day, all day, because we go crazy. So <laughs> we just, we focus on certain things, and my wife focuses more on the serving the poor and suffering, and I focus more on the rest, but she's a big help in everything there. In Eurasia, which is the region, next slide, the next, the, the, um, our region of the world in Assemblies of God World Missions, it covers 44 countries and territories. Uh, it goes from North Africa to the Middle East, Eastern Europe, Russia, Central Asia, India, and a couple countries in Southeast Asia. And if you think about those countries of the world, there's a lot of different major religions there. Judaism, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, Orthodox Christianity, to just name five. And it doesn't matter where we are in those countries, what country it is, we're all about church planting. And so even in countries where it's, we don't say closed country anymore, we say creative access. Um, so a Muslim country is a creative access country. That, that's, that's exactly how it is. And so we are planting churches in places where we probably shouldn't be doing that, according to the laws <coughs> of the country. But we just don't hang a sign out front and say, welcome to, you know, First Assembly of God, Baghdad, Iraq, because that's kind of frowned on by the the government, although it is okay to have an international church in Muslim countries, which is kind of weird. So I, I know of a few pastors who are international church pastors in Muslim countries that actually allows them to do the underground things as well. So that's really what it all is, is underground. Uh, in our country, um, in our part of the world, it's much more open. And so we can be very open about who we are and why we're there. We don't have to hide things. We don't have to be creative at all. We can just be very, very much there. Um, and Next slide. In Eurasia Northwest, which is our part of Eurasia, it's basically Eastern Europe without Belarus. We do not have any Assemblies of God missionaries in Belarus because it's a communist country and there it's a very difficult place to be uh, a missionary and to be a pastor, actually, for that matter. Um, and the three countries on the top, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, they are very um, European and wealthy and people there don't need God. So Estonia is the least religious country in Europe. Whereas the other four countries, Georgia, Armenia, Ukraine, and Moldova, are the poor countries. And there, people need God because they don't have anything else. But the problem is that they don't have churches in a lot of the villages. Two-thirds of the, almost two-thirds of the postal codes in Ukraine do not have a church of any kind. Not even an Orthodox church. And Ukraine is 95% Orthodox. For those of you who don't know what that is, that's like Catholic. Just got a different pope, different church structure, but it's the same <coughs> kind of thing. And so the, the need for us is to plant the church where it is not. There's a lot of churches in the big cities. There's not a lot of churches in the rural areas. Next slide. We lived in three different cities in Ukraine. Bottom box is Simferopol, Crimea. When we were here six and a half years ago, we told the church that we were going to go to Crimea, live in Simferopol, and minister to a Muslim people group called the Crimean Tatars. We were still home itinerating in February, end of February 2014. When the Olympics got over, Russia moved in and took, took Crimea away from Ukraine. 
making it impossible for us to go to Crimea and live as we planned. So when we went back to Ukraine in the summer of 2014, a month after that jet was shot down on the eastern side of Ukraine, you all remember that, right? Um, we actually lived in Kiev because we had no idea what we were going to do. And long story short is we lived there for a year. I worked on my Russian, worked on a project to determine what it was we were going to do, and we decided we were going to partner with a group of churches to help them plant churches. And that's the middle box, Krivoy Rogue. That's where I went on my short-term trips. That is the place that uh, we lived for two years, from 2010 to 2012. And I honestly thought we would never go back there. That chapter was closed. But God opened the door for us to go back. And it is an interesting city because it's the second longest city in the world. It is 80 miles long and 20 miles wide. Long and skinny. Um, the longest city is L.A., by the way. And there are iron ore mines and a small river that is built along. And so I'm from northeast Minnesota, the Iron Range. Therefore, I feel right at home in the Iron Range of Ukraine. And there's some negative things about our city. One of them is, or a couple of them are, that it's really high in crime. Uh, lots of drug use, alcoholism, prostitution, and pretty much anything negative you can come up with, that, that qualifies our city to be almost the worst in Ukraine. Um, we actually got burglarized twice last term, so we can fit right in with the Ukrainians because they've all been burglarized. So now we are one of them completely, and so they understand uh, where we're at. Um, and we're, we're really grateful for how God has directed us and how he's led us. The next slide is a video, so go ahead and show that video. The primary reason we live in Krivoy Rogue is because, first of all, I hate big cities, so um, I, I like not living in Kiev. There's three million people on roads designed for much less than that. Is there no fun to drive on because there's always traffic jams? In our city, it's about a population of 650,000, but it feels like a lot of small towns all connected together. Uh, but we're living there because the main church of the Churches of Praise, the group of churches that we're partnering with, is in Krivoy Rogue. And so it makes sense for us to live there, and we like living there. Um, and we're there to help them plant churches. Uh, it doesn't mean that we're building things because I am not a builder like Pastor Lance. I am, uh, I pay people to build things. Um, and, and so if I build things, it looks like a second grader did it. I just, I, I, have, I have the know-how here, but the, the, no, the do-how is not here. So it's just, it's, it's all right. I can do other things with my hands. Um, oh, I forgot to say, whenever I came to Sioux Falls to go to Calvary or, or Church of the Bible, I played piano every time. Um, my, well, except for one time, I said, I want to go and be at church at your church one time when I don't play because I want to see what it's like without me. Because I had no idea. So I did, and then they said, next time you're playing. I said, okay, I can do that. Um, but but we're, that we're, we're there to help train and encourage pastors and leaders and do what really whatever, whatever we can do to help them. That's it's, it's really what it looks like. I travel a lot when I'm uh, in Ukraine because I don't want to just stay in one spot a lot. Uh, and the churches in Krivoy Rogue do not need support as much as the ones that are outside. So I travel a lot. I'll preach two to four times in a weekend. If I travel more than three hours, I'll preach four times in a weekend. And it becomes a very, very busy weekend, but it's so fun to be able to see God's people, get to know God's people, and to see what God is doing. Um, I have a great relationship with, with I would say, 85% of the pastors in the, in the group. And so, for me, that's just huge. The secondary thing, and you heard it in the video, is that we're actually doing youth ministry. Next slide. 
Uh, we're actually doing youth ministry, which I am 55 years old and never expected to be doing youth ministry in my 50s. My wife and I tried to do some in her mom and dad's church in Muscatine, Iowa, before we were married, and I can tell you it did not go well. We were still trying to figure out our relationship, let alone how to minister together. And now it has, it's, it's going very good. And part of it is that we're the right age. Yeah, we're old, I know that, but, but we're the right age because we're not just aunt and uncle, we're mom and dad. And so the kids open up to us, and especially to me, in a, in a different way because of our age. Now, I, my wife doesn't speak Russian as well as I do. She has a thyroid problem, which makes learning language even more difficult than it would without that. Uh, for her, but, but I can speak Russian fairly well, and so I spent a lot of time mentoring young men and building relationships and checking up on them and asking a lot of questions, and so I, I just really think that I'm at the right age where I have the respect, and because I don't act old, I'm not old. Uh, there's some truth to that because I, I hear these young people talk about their grandmas and how grandma is really, I think she's on her last leg and ready to die the way they talk. And I'm thinking, in my American mind, is grandma must be 85 years old or so. My mother-in-law's age, you know. And, and uh, I asked him, well, how old's your, your grandma? Well, 58, 50, 60, 61, you know, something like that. And I'm like, oh, I'm almost there. But because grandma acts old, she is old. And Phil doesn't act old, and he isn't old. And there's something to say for that. Now, life in Ukraine is very hard, and that's why grandma acts old. I can tell you that. But they love my wife's cookies. She's a good mom. They do not have anything like American cookies in Ukraine because they don't have brown sugar. They don't have molasses substitute for brown sugar. So my wife makes cookies, and everybody wants a recipe. And we're like, well, we can give you the recipe, but you aren't going to get the ingredients. Yeah, but you could bring me some molasses. Uh-uh, that is not happening. If I bring it for you, I've got to bring it for 400 people. So that's not happening. But, but they love coming to our house and eating cookies. And my cell group that I have on Friday nights, I can put 40 cookies on a plate, and seven guys can inhale those in less than five minutes. I can put the plate on the table, turn around, go get something else, come back, and they're all gone. And I'm like, what happened? I don't even get one tonight. You know? So I always tuck a few away. That way I can have one if I need to. So, um, but we do whatever we can to, to help encourage the youth, whether it's speaking at youth camps or uh, youth retreats. And youth camps there are not quite as nice as they are in America. Um, most of them have outdoor toilets, like non-flush, you know, for those of you that are, are you know, too young to know anything about that, um, most of them are actually squatty potties, which is a hole in the floor, which there's a whole new skill set for that. And I now have a skill set for my resume that I can put on there next time. So when I'm looking for a job, I'm sure that'll help me. Uh, but but we, we actually love this role. My, my wife had God give a word to her in 2010 when we first went to Ukraine that she was going to be a mother to many. And... I actually introduced her as Mama because her name is Denise, and in Russian, it's a man's name. And so some people will call her Dennis, but Phil and Dennis, in my American head, does not sound right at all. <laughs> and I know there's going to be somebody who's going to say that to me later. But, but uh, so I just say, this is Mama. I'm Phil, this is Mama. It's just easier that way. But the word was, you're going to be a mother to many. And I used to think that we were seeing that fulfilled. And now I've gotten to the point where I'm like, okay, God, I don't know where you're going to go with this, but we're only seeing the beginning of what this is going to do. And, and so we're excited about that. Now, it just dawned on me a year and a half ago or so that if she's going to be a mother to many, I'm going to be a father to many. Isn't that cool? And, and for me, being that I have two daughters and five younger sisters and no brothers, for me, hanging around with young men is actually a lot of fun. 
I just, I really enjoy it. And so it helps, it does help keep me young. I just tire out a lot quicker than they do. Um, I did preach all over Ukraine, visiting the different churches of praise. Uh, next slide. And um, I visited small and large churches. Most of them are small. Um, this would be a, a medium to large church in, in, in my setting. Because most of the time in a village, you're going to have a, they, they'll buy a house that's square with basically four rooms in each of the corner, one room in each corner. And they'll just take out one of the walls so they have a little bit longer room and they'll have 15 people will have church in there or less. And uh, pastors appreciate that I'm willing to come to small churches. But you know what? I don't see in the Bible where it says only go to large churches. And too often, we as Americans, we want to get the biggest bang for our buck. And when we go overseas, we want to only go to big churches because we're going to have the biggest impact. I'm sorry. I think we can have a big impact in a small place too. So it's, it's okay. Um, I've been the hot or cold temperature-wise, not spiritual-wise. Well, that too, I guess. But hot, cold, um, you see in this picture, I'm wearing a scarf. My translator has on a jacket because the church had one heater and they gave it to the kids. But I've also been the other extreme where it's 100 degrees outside and 110 inside. And the one fan they gave me really didn't do a whole lot to help me out. And most of the churches do not have indoor plumbing. So, again, indoor plumbing is a big deal. And, and, but I don't tell you that to say, oh, poor Phil and Denise, they're suffering for Jesus. No, we're not. I just tell you that, you know, Ukraine is not a first world country. It's a third world country in a lot of ways. And that surprises a lot of people. And so we don't feel sorry for us. We're just doing what God called us to do. And so we got to endure a few minor um, lack of comfort. It's okay. We can do it. We're, we're big people. Um, I did preach with a translator. Next slide. And the reason I did is because the older people don't understand my American accent. And it's probably never going to go away because I am in my 50s. So I just use the translator for most of what I do. But I'll start out and greeting them in Russian and telling them about my family or whatever else. I'll, I'll pray in Russian. I will read the Bible in Russian if it's not too hard. And then the rest of it, I'll just throw in a few things here and there. But I use the, the translator that way they understand. And our translator, Sveta, she's actually our landlady as well. Um, great gal. And she's, her and her family have become like family to us. And I don't mean just her immediate family, her extended family. Her house is just four feet behind ours in the same yard, and so it's really been a uh, good relationship. But the other reason I use a translator is because after church, when the grandmas come forward and want you to pray for them, they almost always speak Ukrainian. And I don't speak Ukrainian very well. Um, I know a little bit, and I know, if you, I know more, the longer I'm there, the more I know. They're very similar languages, Russian and Ukrainian, a lot like Portuguese and Spanish. And the part of the country where we live, they actually speak a blend of the two, so you get something like Spanglish. And whoever speaks it speaks their own special version of it. And so some people might speak 80% Ukrainian and 20% Russian. The other people might be the opposite. And if they're mostly Ukrainian, I have a hard time understanding them. Um, but Ukrainian is actually easier to learn. Um, because we travel together and we're not married to each other, we always bring along a chaperone. And, and I would anyway because I want to have that opportunity to speak into somebody's life. So we always, almost always bring a young man along that we can spend time talking about life and God and things and just, just mentoring. And then I have somebody along who can take pictures at the very least. And for me, that's actually huge because otherwise I wouldn't have any pictures of what, what went on while we were there. So... In the last three years of ministry in church, we actually got to, next slide, got to pray with at least 170 people to come to faith in Christ. And I say at least because I really didn't do a good job of counting. I don't have to do a report every year like Pastor Lance does um, to say here's how many people were saved and all that kind of stuff. But God did some great things, and we're, it's pretty, pretty exciting, actually. It's, I'm not an evangelist, so that's actually been the most surprising part for me. 
But God's used me in that way. And so I go to church and give an altar call, and almost always there's somebody coming forward. It's just, it's amazing. And our home has become a place where I get to pray with a lot of people. I found that if I put a plate of cookies in front of a young man and I, we drink tea together, that he'll share his life story and then some. And some of the things I don't really want to know, but I hear him anyway. But then we, we develop a close relationship, and I get to pray with him about those things that he shared. And so it actually becomes a very, very precious time. Um, next slide, Vanya. He's a young man that I got to know at one of the camps that only had a squatty potty. And he comes from a super poor family. Uh, dad's a drunk. Mom's a Christian. Uh, when mom and dad got married, dad had two kids. Mom had one kid. They had Vanya, and then they had three more after Vanya. So a total of seven kids. They lived in a village outside of Krivoy Rogue. And about three years ago, they had a fire that destroyed their house. And they don't have house insurance in Ukraine. So you have a fire that destroys your house? Oh, well, too bad for you. And because they're so poor, they didn't have the wherewithal to build a new house or rent something else. So they split the family up. The two older kids are already on their own. Um, Vanya and his dad went to live with his dad's mom in an apartment in the city. Mom and the other four kids at home went to live with her mother in an apartment in the city. And where Vanya lived, I don't know anything about where the mom lived, but where Vanya and his dad lived, there was no working washing machine, working bathtub, or working shower. I'm not talking 1965 or 95. This is 2018. And it's still that way today. Vanya moved out, but it's still that way today. Can you imagine? I can't. That, that's just one, a couple things that I just cannot imagine being without. Um, so whenever he came over, we always washed his clothes and gave him a shower because we wanted to be able to sit with him and talk to him. And my wife always had... I, I could endure it. My, my daughter had a lot harder time than I did. Um, but my wife always has a box of secondhand guys' clothes that are smaller than mine for just such occasions. So when guys come over and need a shower and need clean clothes, we got it. So it's all, it's all good. My, that's, that's my wife being the mom again. And Vanya, I took him to a one-day conference. I met him at a youth camp, and he came to my cell group off and on that fall. But in January of 2018, I took him with me to a one-day youth conference, and God got a hold of his life and changed his heart. It was amazing. And he never missed cell group after that. He traveled with me a lot because his mom told his dad that if Phil needs Vanya to travel with him, you just say yes, and if he needs to miss school, that's okay too. Now, how many mothers in America would say that? Nobody would, right? But she was okay with that because she wanted her son out of that drunken situation and in a good situation. There was a period of time last spring, a year ago in the spring, that he lived with us for about three, three weeks, most of the three weeks, because dad was drunk almost every day. And when dad was drunk, he was mean. So he needed a safe place to go, and so he stayed with us. And um, I would love to tell you that while I've been home, uh, life has been just great for Vanya. He's just been victorious, but I can't. It's been struggle for him. He actually, from um, late last summer, well, when we left in July until June, it was really rough. But he worked at a kid's camp and actually gave his life back to Christ. He told, wrote to me in July and said, I was the sheep that was away from the fold, but I went back. And so I'm really excited about that. He's doing much better. And so he's anxious for me to come back to Ukraine so I can help him live for God again. And so we're excited about that. Um, and his story is not unique, uh, other than there's a lot of kids. That's, that's very unique. Uh, most people have one or two kids, and that's about it. But 
the story of dad being a drunk and mom being a believer is repeated over and over again. Uh, next slide, Nikita. He's another young man. He actually was raised in a Christian home, which is more than unusual in, in that setting. Uh, it's becoming more common, but it has not been in, in until recently. Uh, he's about 25 years old, and his dad died suddenly three years ago, and his dad was younger than me. And Nikita doesn't need the kind of support that Vanya needs, because he knows how to live for God. But what Nikita needs is a dad. So I have become the surrogate dad. And when Nikita and his wife moved to Kiev, to, so she'd go to college, I moved them. When that didn't go so good and they moved back to Krivoy Rog, I moved them back. And that's what dads do, right? And so another example of a young man, and I've got, I could tell you about, I don't know how many, I could tell you a lot of stories about young men who are anxiously waiting for us to return so that I can help them live for God. I've got pastor friends who are waiting for us to get back to Ukraine so that we can help them in their churches. Jesus said in Matthew 28, next slide, that we are supposed to go and make disciples. And then he said that we have to teach the new disciples to obey the things that he taught us. Now, what that means is if you're going to be a disciple maker, you have to be a disciple yourself because you can't teach something you don't know. Um, go ahead and skip two slides down. The one with the blue on the left. Nope, one more up. There you go. We learned in our experience that it was relatively easy to say yes to God. When God spoke to us to become missionaries, we said, yes, God, we'll do that. But that wasn't enough. Just saying yes doesn't get the task done. We actually had to do something about that. We had to apply to become um, missionary associates and then missionaries with the Sons of God World Missions. We had to actually do something. We had to sell the stuff that we had. We were pack rats. There's a lot of things we had to do in order to actually become missionaries and actually eventually leave to go live in Ukraine. And none of that would have done, happened if we did not actually follow through on our verbal commitment. And James talks about being doers of the word and not hearers only. And it's really important that we make sure that when we say, yes, God, I'm going to do that, that we actually do it. That's the hard part, though. It wasn't easy packing up our stuff or selling our stuff or saying goodbye to our parents or whatever it might have been. Those things were not easy, but they're worth it. Because what did Jesus say? Nobody who loves father, mother, sister, brother more than me is worthy, right? And so we've got to make sure that we follow through with our answer of yes uh, and make sure that it's just not an emotional response and we go, oh, I really didn't mean that. No, if you say yes to God, you mean it. That's really important. But what I've found is that God is less concerned with our comfort than he is with our obedience, if God cared about my comfort, I'm sorry, but I would not live in Ukraine. I was living a very comfortable life in America. I didn't have to use squatty potties. But it's okay. Because I would much rather be uncomfortable while serving God than be uncomfortable because I, I disobeyed God. And we need to make sure that we're being obedient to what he speaks to us. Next slide. Ukraine today... Uh, we have religious freedom and openness to the gospel. We don't have to hide the fact we're believers. We don't have to hide the fact we're missionaries. 
because the country is 95% Orthodox, they don't understand us. And so they'll say things like, oh, you're part of that church that's that part of that sect, right? Just like in the Bible. Yeah, we're part of a sect. Yep, that's me. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a sect guy. And it's very, very interesting. Um, less than 2.5% of the country is truly born-again evangelical believers. But we have a bunch of challenges. We have, Ukraine's one of the top sources of trafficked women. We have a huge problem with uh, HIV, AIDS, uh, exponential growth rate. Drug and alcohol addiction is a huge problem. A lot of churches have rehab centers to help grow the church and grow good citizens. And we have a struggling economy and a shrinking population. My wife saw an article a couple months ago that said about 1,000 people a month are leaving Ukraine to go live in Europe. Ukrainians are to Europe what the Mexicans are to America. They'll do whatever job nobody else wants to do because doing that, they can live somewhere else and make as much money or more than what they were making in Ukraine, and things are cheaper. So one, one, uh, one year when we were in Ukraine this last term, inflation was 55%. And that, for the Ukrainians, is really rough. So... A um, couple of verses for you. The next slide. Open your eyes and look to the fields that are ripe for the harvest. And Denise took this picture of a field that was being harvested, and I'm sure the combine, combine driver thought we were nuts. But this is really an image of Ukraine. People are ripe for the harvest. They want to respond to the gospel. All they have to do is hear. When I go to a village because the people are poor and have nothing else, and I say, Jesus came to give you hope, they respond. Because they want hope. They want something because they don't have anything else. The next slide shows another verse. And to me, this is the saddest verse in the Bible. The harvest is finished. The summer is gone. Yet we are not saved. I took this picture in the camp across the road from the camp where I was with Vanya. And our hearts are to see more churches planted, more people saved so that fewer people miss the harvest. Next slide. We got back last summer. We hope to go early part of November. That's where we're at right now, and we're really shooting for that. I already gave our, our notice for our apartment building for the end of November, and we're hoping to be out the first week, so we'll see how that goes. Um, next slide, our plans for next term are to keep doing what we've been doing and practicing and preaching and living and breathing discipleship and telling people that's what the Bible tells us to do and showing them how to do it. And my, my favorite bullet there is the last line, baking the best cookies in Ukraine, because that's what my wife does. And so, and if she can't do it, I can as well. Um, please make sure you pick up a prayer card. My wife is not here to give one to you. Out there in one of those bookcases out front, you'll see where I'm standing. Um, stop by and get a prayer card so you can remember to pray for us. Put it where you remember to pray for us because it's important. Every missionary that comes says, please pray for us. Because you know why? We need prayer. It's not just something we say. It's because we really, we really need it. There are things that happen to our family. I believe that Laura walking away from God is nothing but an attack from the devil. Um, there are things that happen to our family, though, because the devil wants to distract us. And so we've just said, you know what, God, we're going to keep our eyes on you, and we're just going to do what you've given us to do. And we have not lost any sleep over um, bad health diagnoses or other things like that because, you know what, we just trust God. Um, next slide. Please pray with us because we're... In order to get, oh, next slide, sorry. We need uh, to ma re meet, meet our full financial budget, and we need eight more partners of 50 bucks a month to get us to 100%, and then we'll be able to get our clearance to go. And so pray with us about that, because that is uh, just probably the, the biggest need we have at this point. And the next slide, we have a website. 
Next slide. Next slide. And it's frozen. Okay. And we have coffee back at the table. I've got a couple different, five different flavors, whole bean and ground if you're interested. If not, that's fine. And otherwise, I thank you for the privilege of being here today. So I appreciate it. <coughs> Phil, we're going to receive an offering. I need you at the piano. Um, <laughs> Laura can be c take over for you at the end while you go out and buy your, I want you to buy your prayer cards. And the coffee they buy helps support the ministry as well. So proceeds help the work. And so, so Lord bless you if you buy a pound of coffee and support missions. And uh, so we're going to receive today's offering and invest in this work in Ukraine. Um, you can tell some things about a missionary by the way they present. And uh, uh, your PowerPoint uh, shows your organization, uh, a willingness at his age. He's like my age to be a youth. To basically be a youth pastor, uh, it's not beneath him. You know what I mean? Like when you go into the missionary mission field and there's this group of people and they say, we need someone to lead the youth and <clears throat> for them to be willing to do that and serve in that capacity and then uh, such a help to the churches. Uh, good for you, Phil. Thank you for your work uh, in the Ukraine. Sounds like a place where they desperately uh, need our support and people like you who can organize, put things together gather people, train people. So, Lord, as we give this offering to you, we thank you for your goodness, your friendship. We thank you for partners like uh, Phil and Denise, and we just pray that your favor would rest upon them, uh, that uh, dynamic things would happen because they're willing to, to leave the comforts and the things that they know of Iowa and Minnesota, South Dakota, and then live in a place of, where, of turmoil, of unrest, of uh, discomfort, uh, and we pray over their daughters that that uh, that they would uh, that they would serve you, that they would sense their divine calling, how fearfully and wonderfully they've been made, and I just thank you for their partnership, the Reeds partnership, and we pray that this harvest in the Ukraine would would would. Uh, land in the spiritual baskets of our lives because of our work together in Jesus name. Amen. Lord bless you as you give. Carol, will you make sure that check gets there too? I wasn't prepared. Jones usually our check writer and so let's stand together. Thank you Phil for sharing. Thank you Lord. May we celebrate your goodness through our lunch together, gathering back home, a Sunday afternoon rest. May your presence be there. Uh, may it come true that there's a Sabbath day rest for every one of us, and it's in the presence of the Lord. May we feel rested because we gather together in your name. Continue to work in and among and through us as your church. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. God bless you. Phil, run, run ahead, get out by your coffee there. <clears throat> if you want to ask him a few more questions about his work in the, or in the I always want to say the Ukraine. So <clears throat> God bless you.